Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. She pled guilty. She's facing 10 plus years in jail. That doesn't make you have any reaction. You're like a monotone about this? No, I wouldn't say I'm monotone. You have no feeling about this whatsoever. I think it's absolutely terrible and gut-wrenching. I can't speak to anything regarding her innocence or guilt, though. I, it's not my job. It's not my place. You had a lot to say about it when she was arrested. And after. She wasn't invited to parties. If she was around, you didn't want to be that there. That had nothing to do with her innocence or guilt. It had to do with the fact, as I it's said... Just it's just weird to me that she pled guilty and now you have nothing you to say about it. strong moral I think it's last wild. After she sentenced, I'm sure I will like have more of, of Are you scared of her? Are you scared of her coming after you by saying something about it? Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. How are we doing? I hope you guys are doing well. I had a good weekend. Um, I met a unicorn. I didn't meet a unicorn. I encountered a unicorn in line at Starbucks. I'm minding my own business. Usually I have my headphones in if I'm like out in the city. But I had them off. And I noticed a gentleman speaking ahead of me. And it became clear to me very quickly that this man had never been to Starbucks. Not only had he never been to Starbucks, like, ever, it seemed like he didn't understand the concept. Um, You know, they had to talk him through the sizing, the different terms for the sizing, you know, venti, you know, you know, the whole thing. Um, It was wild. It was wild. And it was also like... I'm not even sure if this man had been to a coffee shop before because he was asking for like, 
what kind of sugar are you going to put too many how many what how many shots are in this size what's going on here <laughs> it was just incredible and this was like a uh, i would say maybe late 40s early 50s seemingly uh upwardly mobile and like seemed like just a regular old businessman i just could not imagine never he just seemed so confused I, 2023 it was an amazing sight to see anyway um we're gonna move on to our can i get a hell yeah of the gosh is this the first one of the year we've been having a lot of chaos and negativity so i can't be blamed for that and you know what this isn't really like a true hell yeah but it is for me and i what i love is when uh celebrities will be dramatic about other celebrities or where they'll get messy or expose them for being liars as uh rupert everett just recently did so he did an interview interview with the telegraph in which he was talking about i guess uh prince harry's book came up and in the book he mentions that he lost his virginity to a much older lady behind a pup right apparently this woman was like a in the equestrian arts and just like treated him like a prize winning winning horse just get the job done uh smack you on the ass and be on your way back to the barn you <laughs> so rupert everett says by the way i know who the woman he lost his virginity to is and it wasn't behind a pub and it wasn't in this country everett said with a quote twinkle in his eye and then he goes on to say i'm just putting it out there that i know <laughs> this is so funny to me like there was no reason for him to have to say this um you're just involving yourself in shit that's messy for no reason you're not telling us who this person that you claim to know is and i love it i really love it because i just want like more messy behavior more celebrity on celebrity crime and honestly we're gonna have actually a lot of this is about every week when I look at my notes, I find that there usually is like a theme that I didn't even um, know until I'm looking at my notes. And like, gosh, a lot of this is like celeb on celeb drama. So let's just get our uh, girl out of the way here real quickly. Um, Chloe, as you guys know, unfortunately, Tristan's mother recently passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly. Uh, Chloe, of course, uh, you know, hopped on the PJ with him to Canada to like support him in his time of need. Not only Chloe, but I think Chris and Kim came to the funeral. So, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, girl, we get that this is your baby daddy. And, you know, you have this unending need to uh, tell True and the other one that you did everything you could to co-parent with their ancient daddy, right? But uh, I just think that like going to the mom's funeral is just like a little too far. Like it's very nice. But I just think that there need to be boundaries, you know what I mean? Especially in this situation. So, um, yeah, Closephine had been posting, as she's wont to do, uh, elusive and uh, very heavily subtextual uh, Instagram stories. Oh, God, let's get into it. One of the posts says, a woman that found peace instead of revenge can never be bothered. And then another one, the one that really got me that said, the most beautiful soul you will ever find is one who has experienced loss, but continues to have faith. And the one, and one who has experienced uh, failure, but continues to pursue their dreams. What? 
<laughs> at what point? At what point? I mean, at the end of the article, it does say that sources say that they're not together. But you know what? They said that last time. So, girl, come on. If she wants to climb into that sewer with the, the it clown, then that's really on her. So we got to move on. Did you guys watch the um the Pamela Anderson documentary on Netflix? Because I watched it and I was going to talk about it on Patreon, but I think it's just better suited for just like a quick conversation about it. Overall, I think I liked it. You know, I I liked it. I think it was like a nice look at her, but it also made me very sad for Pamela in the sense that like it seemed to me that she has been a survivor. She's had to be a survivor of men and the male gaze and how people treated her and her body and who she was or who they thought that she was um, and dealing with that and, and also out of her relationships, mostly focusing on her relationship with Tommy, right? Um, so that was interesting the way she looks at that relationship because I guess I didn't really know what happened I didn't know that it was like one domestic violence situation and then Pamela was like I never want this man in my life in that way again um and like kudos to her coming from a, an abusive background um it is the way she did it's very from what I'm told like easy to get back in the cycle with a romantic partner uh, and for her to take a stand especially like with her kids and break that cycle and be like I'm not dealing with this I, I really commend her for that um, I did find it very interesting how candid she was about her love for Tommy and um, how she thinks that that was her one true love and she's never really had a love like that but also she's like I know that I can't really be with him you know, I, even though I, I love him so much and I think he's like my soulmate. So if you guys don't know, Tommy Lee has been married for a couple years to um, a woman named Brittany Ferlin, who used to be really popular on Vine. And I think she's still trying to keep that thing going. Her, her shtick. I don't really know. I don't pay too much attention to her. I know she's on TikTok and I know that she, um, what from what I have seen, makes a lot of content, like sort of self-deprecating content about she and her husband about Tommy Lee and I just like oh this isn't for me so thank you next but um she decided to respond and there's a sound from Wendy Williams where she's talking about somebody dying <laughs> on her show and she's just like oh they died oh oh okay and then she just moves on so Brittany used that sound to and and use like a kind of like blonde woman filter and said oh this is what Pam would be like if I died and then she like she's sitting next to Tommy and she like cuddles up you know the fake Pam cuddles up next to Tommy hater loser loser hater shit a girl nobody's checking for you like that like for what I saw it seemed like if I were Brittany I would feel sad I would feel sad for the situation but it seemed like she was trying to make Pam seem like some like oh psycho stalker ex-girlfriend who ex-wife or whatever who would be glad if I was dead because she wants my man so bad like no girl 
No. Did you watch it? Obviously, you watched the documentary because you have opinions about it. So, um, did you forget the part that he put his hands on her when she was holding their newborn child? Like, what? <laughs> what? Girl, she made the best choice that she could for herself and her and her family. And you're acting like she's just some jealous psycho woman. Ew. Ew. And then, so she deleted that because everybody was like, bitch, shut the fuck up. You sound like the loser. And then she posts TikTok like, I just want to thank you guys for being in support of me and coming to me and saying all these kind things. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay. She, she wasn't really crying, but it was just very like, uh, you know, emotional an emotional mood, like thanking everybody for supporting. What do you need support on? What did I watch? She did not say anything about Brittany. And okay, maybe you as the new wife might feel some type of way about uh, the ex-wife being like, oh, that was my one true love or whatever. But like, girl, it's Tommy fucking Lee. Like if you, the man has ran through, no shade, but like if this was, if you, we're going to be feeling some type of way about ex uh, women that has have been in Tommy's life. You'd be fighting for the rest of your damn life. So get over it. Get over it. And then some blogger got a hold of these text messages that were allegedly supposed to be damning towards Pam to Tommy. She sends texts. Basically, it looks like she's describing what the documentary is going to be about because their sons are quite heavily involved. I think Brandon, the older one who was on the Hills reboot, is a producer on the project. Um, but it was basically just like, oh, you know, it's talking about our story and like our love story. I don't know. It, whatever it was, it just wasn't really doing so much that you had to like make jokes about her and make her seem like the loser when you seem like the bigger loser. So good, good on you, Brittany. Go back onto TikTok and keep talking about how your uh, husband doesn't want to hang out with you and how dirty you think his dick is. <laughs> Literally. She has a TikTok about how uh, I think about all the uh, vaginas that my husband's penis has been in. And I think about how disgusting that is. Like, why did you marry him then? Right? Like, <laughs> whatever, girl. You're going to have to figure that out. Also, didn't, wasn't there a time where, like, maybe Tommy said something about Pamela recently and then Brandon went over in there and knocked him out? Good luck for you guys. Good luck to y'all. Oh, you have to watch. You we don't have to watch it. I would recommend the documentary, but I do if you're like anti Kid Rock like I am to see them talk about the Bob years where Pamela was married to Bob and how they had to move to Detroit. Oh, that's funny. That is funny. All right. Can we come up with a lie? Oh, what is a new lie that George Santos came up with this week? Oh, yeah. It came out that in 2021, he told people as he was running for Congress, um, he told a bunch of potential donors that he worked as one of the producers on uh, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Why would you, <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> there is no need for him to say any of this shit. It's so wild. Why is he still in Congress? This is crazy. This is crazy. But let's move on to our last bit of drama before we get into our recaps. 
Ooh, it is going down with Ladarius and Gabby from Cheer. And I know most of you are thinking, oh my God, are we still talking about Cheer? Yeah, we are because it's funny. Okay. It's funny and it's dramatic and it needs to be spoken about. And I want to talk about it. Okay. And I also asked Ladarius to come on the podcast if he wants to. Ladarius, if you hear this, I will treat you uh, properly. You'll be in the safe arms of a loving older black woman. Okay. And we'll talk this through. We'll talk this through. But I can't remember if I talked about this on the actual podcast or if I just posted this on Instagram I cannot remember but if I only posted this on Instagram I'm gonna have to catch you guys up so December there was a picture of Gabby you know she was the star the flyer um you know coming into Navarro to kill it and take them to nationals right uh there was a blackface photo about of her that was released. So at that time, Gabby's claim was that this was part of an initiation or hazing, that there were black people wearing blackface. She didn't think anything of it. And also she had never even heard of the concept of blackface. And had she known that it had ties to racism, then she would have never participated at the time. Um, people thought that like Ladarius and, uh, there was another guy, TT, uh, if you guys don't remember TT, uh, he's probably the one that you looked at and was like, is that man 37 or 38 or 47? How is he still in college? But anyway, he, they were still in support. So, um, Ladarius had spoken out about this back then, but things resurfaced because somebody was like, oh, are you just for clarification's sake, are you saying that you're supporting what Gabby's saying? And he says, no, absolutely not. I was backing her in public, but I was checking her in private. And the reason why I was doing that was because we was fucking, we were hunching, right? We were together. We were sleeping together. She was in my bed every night when I was at Navarro. And then he says that eventually he started realizing that he was the cleanup man, that Gabby would use him as the black man that she was sleeping with to get her out of issues and vouch for her, but he's not going to be doing that for her anymore. And then he says, I just don't understand. We could have ended this situation earlier. I don't understand why Gabby wouldn't just say that the blackface was part of the hazing process and leave it at that. She tried to loop in black people to, you know, be like, oh, she's okay. Um, nobody really did that except for TT, which, um, I had to laugh. Ladaria says, um, it does not count because he's Canadian. (laughs) That he basically says the people ran with the idea that he was mean and that he was like was like toxic and the bad scary black man angry man on the show um but basically he was in a position where like yeah i would go off on them and i made it very clear how i felt about everybody and they wanted to make it seem like i was this big bad black man because of it but um you know the reality is that he just wasn't trying to deal with a bunch of drama and bad energy, you know, he came from a broken home, a, you know, he had been molested, uh, you know, situations where he left his family at 15 to, you know, have to be independent. And, uh, he was like, I just wasn't trying to deal with that. He, you know, somebody also brings up a point of, um, you know, Ladarius, you have a tendency to speak out about Monica and then come back 
or speak out about other things or the program in general, and then come back and say, oh, I love it here. And, you know, this is the best thing of my life. And he does say, and I appreciated him for saying this, like, I didn't have a good family life. I didn't have a structure to rely on. And so I left my family at 15. I'm looking for a new family. I find it in Navarro. And, you know, there the hazing thing happened pretty early on. But he was willing to let that go. Um, he's like, I told everybody how I felt. Um, he showed video in which they're like, the kids are... Uh, they're like holding hands, you know, in a chain, walking into a uh, garage or something. They all have white t-shirts or sheets or something over their head. And he's playing this video saying, because, oh, why didn't you guys say in the in the time, like at the time that the blackface was wrong, but he's showing this video where there's like a chain of people walking into the garage. And then you see like a second chain that has defected from that first chain. And he's like, that's where I was. Cause I wasn't trying to do any of this shit. Um, so then he posts multiple videos of he and Gabby making out to confirm that they were in fact hooking up. Um, Gabby came out to say she was posting from a public bathroom ranting and raving about how Ladarius is bipolar he's not on medication he hasn't been taking it for five years something like that right oh god so Ladarius comes back and says if I'm on medication then why did your parents call me when the blackface situation surfaced a couple months ago and asked me to diffuse the situation for you because we used to date why did they do that then and then he says that the only thing that he should not have done was continue to mess around with Gabby uh, when she had boyfriends. All the boyfriends that she's had, including her most recent one. <laughs> he also claims that the second time he tried to leave Navarro, he tried to leave quietly. So we saw in season two where um, there was a situation with a dog and the new coach when Monica came or when Monica went to do uh, Dancing with the Stars, the new coach came. There was some situation with the dog where like she had taken Ladarius's dog. Ladarius wanted it back or something like that. But um, he says that was part of an issue. So she gathered some other people to claim that Ladarius was sexually assaulting them. There were a couple people who said this, uh, one guy named Justin, who he says, I used to hook up with Justin. So I don't know why he would say that. Like people have seen us make out with each other. Um, you know, why would they even say that? It's stupid. I guess he was claiming that people were trying to claim sexual assault because they used to do like guy stuff, like hit each other's balls, punch each other in the balls during practice. And that was what that guy was saying was sexual assault. Um, he was like, the guy did it to me too. So I'm not really understanding what the issue is. Also, we used to hook up. So I don't know. Um, basically it goes on. It continues to go on. So I will uh, refer you guys to TikTok to check that out. But um, yeah, it's very fascinating. I will say for, you know, I do think that Ladarius doesn't help himself because I think he often speaks first and then people hear the like bombastic parts of him and then he'll like 
you know, come down to earth a little bit later and like really break it down and it makes sense. But you know, a lot of people don't want to hear that after you've like been ranting and raving or what they think, what they interpret as you ranting and raving. Um, but what I will say is that he always has receipts and I never see those other people having receipts on him. There are always these wild claims that they make about him and they never really seem to, uh, come to light. So I don't know. He also, I'm going to leave you on this in one video said something about how, oh, cause one of these girls, I guess was saying that he was attracted or that he hit on her. And he's like, honestly, I'm not even attracted to blonde women. I really prefer women with like black hair. And so somebody commented, oh, is that why Gabby dyed her hair? And he just responded with the smirk, smirk emoji. So I guess she's, she's blonde now. So Whew, whew, mess, mess, mess. Um, yeah, with that, you guys, if you're able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would greatly appreciate that. Um, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash EBBM podcast. It's my birthday month. It's Black History Month. And so that means you have to be nice to me. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the episode. Love you. Bye. Here we are at the end of another season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Let's get into, fortunately, the second and final part of the reunion. You know, I think there's just a lot of darkness going on. I think after I watched this, I was like, okay, we're not getting the whole truth about Heather. And so why even unpack it? We're not really, I'm still not understanding what all the hubbub is in terms of Whitney and Heather's friendship, why they can't be friends, why there's an unwillingness, kind of more on Heather's side than Whitney's even still. But I just like, I feel like we didn't really get down to the bottom of the story of, of anything. And so therefore it's kind of hard to talk about, but we start off with Heather continuing to have a shame spiral about the black eye, where it came from, her drinking, uh, you know, she's being comforted by Meredith on the couch. They're taking a little commercial break while uh, Whitney and Dana and Angie Kay and Lisa are taking a selfie. They're living their best lives uh, regarding the dissolution of bad weather. Heather does admit that she holds Whitney to a much higher standard than she does with Jen, which is really kind of the main theme of part two. Like, why is it that Jed gets such a pass? Why is it that there's such hypocrisy with regard to other people and what Jen is allowed to do and what other people are not allowed to do? And, you know, yet again, we did not really get an answer, but still fascinating to watch. Like, it's boring, but it is fascinating to watch somebody kind of limply explain why they continue to lovingly let a convicted felon in their uh, inner circle uh, when they have no problem calling you Shrek and talking shit behind your back. Like, I just don't really understand. Here's the thing. Heather at one point says... I'm too far down the rabbit hole with Jen. If I were to go back and be like, oh, I'm so anti-Jen. I don't approve of what she did. It would be fake. Which, okay, I guess I can appreciate the honesty about that. I don't know if it's entirely true, though. I don't know if, like... I feel like people would be rocking with her if she didn't. This is making maybe less sense 
even still. And I just feel like we never really got a definitive answer from neither Heather nor Meredith as to where they really stand with uh, Jen and if they are actually publicly going to be uh, expressing the fact that Jen needs to be held accountable outside of this. Heather also tries to blame Whitney wanting to be friends with Lisa and how that was such a 180. But then we have to like kind of figure out, well, Heather, you were also trying to be friends with Lisa. So why is it okay for you, but not Whitney? Why would that impact your relationship? Why was there, in your opinion, this ripple effect in which um, Whitney and Lisa's friendship impacted Heather and Whitney's friendship, Meredith and Lisa's friendship, and then maybe like Heather and Lisa's friendship. Like that just seems like a lot to put on somebody. So I was with Whitney on that. Like I can't be responsible for everybody not being friends with everybody else. Also, I don't really even think that Whitney and Lisa are like that good of friends. It's just sort of the same way that I feel about Meredith and Heather. It's just kind of, well, we don't have our real friends that we started off with. So this is just the friendship of convenience really. Andy does have some questions for Heather. Like, why is it that the first two seasons I was really rocking with you? And yet this season, you're a disaster. And Heather talks a little bit about, uh, you know, how writing the book has really impacted her over the season and how um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is suing her. And so she is just you know, just white knuckling it for the release of this book. And it's like, what are you going to say, girl? (laughs) Like if this just ends up being like fucking Ginger Duggar's book, then I'm setting that whole set on fire. I'm going down to the parking lot of beauty lab and laser. And I'm not going to say what I'm going to do. It's going to be nothing, but um, I'm not going to be happy. Okay. Maybe I'll drive to Salt Lake and just scowl as I drive past beauty lab and laser. Maybe I'll do that. But I don't, like, if this is really, if if you guys don't know, Ginger Duggar, obviously one of the Duggars, came out with a book. She basically, the premise of the book is how she left the Duggar Christianity and went to her husband's, uh, I can wear jeans, but it's still pretty bigoted and conservative Christianity. And um, we know you know, like, <laughs> sorry, girl, unless you're like going to officially leave your family and be like, fuck them, uh, fuck my brother, fuck my parents, fuck this church. Like, I don't really care, girl. Who cares? So my concern is that there's going to be a lot of buildup of like, oh, this book is going to be exposing a lot of hard truths of the church. And I just don't know that that's going to happen. A lot of it because I don't really know that like... <sighs> Do we all kind of feel like Heather would still be very much down this rabbit hole if she hadn't got a divorce? I think this is a very hard struggle for her because when she was being comforted by Meredith, she says that basically this was like a self-fulfilling prophecy that before she left, all her community was telling you, oh, you're just going to be going into the real world, hellfire and brimstone is going to be a problem for you. And now it's like she believes that this is what she deserves. Like, uh, this is dark this is a lot the husbands come out did anything happen at all justin debuted his unemployment beard uh john and bar john barlow and seth like kind of 
tried to negotiate whether or not they could be friends, despite the fact that their wives don't fuck with each other. It seemed like Seth was more into it than John was. John seemed pretty upset that Meredith and Seth made that lame joke in the closet, like a pretty, uh, you know, one-off joke about, oh, I found two quarters. Maybe, you know, John and Lisa are not the only rich ones. Like, John tried to take that so personally. And Lisa, like, you know, it's like lame when somebody takes a joke too seriously. And also lame when you have to explain the joke. So it was lame of John. And it was also lame that Meredith had to be like, "Uh, yeah, it was a joke. Like, obviously, you guys are wealthy. It. I didn't really think it was like that, uh, you know, harmful or hurtful. Like, we're all rich people. Okay, it's fine. (laughs) I think the person who probably fared the worst would probably have been Meredith, and especially in part two, where there's just a lot of questions about basically, Meredith, how does it make sense that you were not fucking with Jen at all last year and you were pretty like, oh, what she's doing is dastardly. Um, what she's doing is like, I'm not surprised that she got caught up. I feel like at one point she was suggesting, hey, um, you know, I've heard things in the streets or the slopes of Salt Lake City. And uh, yeah, I'm really not shocked. Um, Lisa tried to catch her like, oh, when we all found out we were on that vacation, you were just sitting in that tub uh, talking to Mary, gloating about Jen getting arrested. And, you know, listen, does she seem a little happy? Yes. But was she also um, in a bathtub on like half a bottle of Vuv. Yeah. So, so maybe like what we were taking as her gloating was actually, I don't know. She was probably gloating. She was probably a little happy. I mean, listen, she wasn't fucking with Jen at that point anyway, because Jen called, uh, Mark's a twink or, or Brooks a twink or whatever. And, um, you know, maybe she was like reveling in it a little bit, which is like, fine. Uh, so that's not the problem. The problem is that she like really flipped a switch on it her quick. And I do and don't see Meredith's point, but ultimately I think more, more I don't like, it just really doesn't make sense. And I understand she says multiple times, Hey, uh, I had heard from a reliable source that Jen had made an attempt, uh, to end her life. And given what I was dealing with, with my nephew, I just, wasn't going to risk it. And I think she maybe should have just taken it a step further and been like, Hey, um, like, I understand that this is hypocritical, but I was in a, she caught me in a sensitive place and there. But then the other issue is like, now that obviously they filmed this pre sentencing, but, they all knew that Jen had pled guilty. Um, I didn't understand why Meredith said, well, I'm not really going to share my real feelings until after the sentencing. Like, I don't know why that would matter. At this point, Lisa, or sorry, Meredith really starts to get activated and repeats the fact I was going through stuff and I wasn't being supported by my friends at that time. And Lisa goes, well, I was supporting you. So I'll excuse myself from that. (laughs) I don't think you're allowed to do that, but she did. Lisa really had a lot to say. She really, she really did. She calls Meredith out for digging up stuff on her, which she said mirrors what she tried to do with Jen in season two. And it's like, oh, you don't like somebody and you try to like dig up trash on them. And that's your MO. 
So now we have to talk about Jen. And I found this part to be like the most interesting out of the whole two parts and half of the season. So um, Andy asks all the women if they feel like Jen believed that she was innocent. And all of them agree, like, they just can't wrap their heads around uh, somebody signing on to join a show if they thought that they were, you know, not only running a telemarketing scheme, but that the feds were, you know, on her neck. So Meredith actually drops an interesting bit of information, which is that the sealed indictment uh, came out the same day that they announced that Salt Lake was even going to be a show at the first BravoCon. It seems like nobody knew that. So Whitney asks her, like, can you explain that? The Meredith says, well, it sounds like basically the wheels are already in motion, but because that indictment's sealed, they don't know if Jen's name was included in that, but, you know, something was already coming. Um, So that really kind of points to the fact that Jen probably didn't know that they were looking for her. Um, Andy then asks everybody if Jen has privately expressed any sort of remorse for the victims, and they all said no. Every single one of them. That's wild. That's wild. So then they start to speculate on the Coach Shaw of it all, whether or not he was involved. And Whitney says, mm, I don't know. Like, I find Sharif to be very charismatic. He's always on. And it kind of did make me wonder if things were maybe too good to be true. And then they're like, eh, you know, we think it's possible that maybe he had knowledge. And, you know, do you think maybe he just let Jen take the fall? So Liz says, I don't know, like, she basically is like, they filed their taxes together. He had to know something. So Heather says she doesn't know the first thing about their relationship. And she thinks, frankly, it's hanging by a thread. Because she can't imagine Sharif being so supportive if he knew that Jen was being implicated. And this is like the second or third time that she's kind of been like, mm, I don't really know what's going on with them. Which is like, let's talk about that more. Let's talk about that more because he really has been, you know, doing this United Front thing, but nobody, I think, on this planet would blame Sharif for being pissed off at Jen or not wanting to continue a relationship with her or, but, you know, also that depends on how much did he know, if anything. But Heather says when they went to New York, she saw herself, or maybe before they left, she saw herself, uh, Coach Shaw, pouring through those documents and looking through it. And she thinks maybe he discovered there was something that it would just wasn't worth spending the money on. They had been spending a lot of money, thousands of dollars, sometimes $2,000 a day. And then Heather drops the bomb that uh, Jen and Coach had been soliciting their close friends and community for money everybody on the cast got asked uh and heather says i know for a fact somebody on this couch did and then she has to correct herself and say oh it was angie harrington but angie's already gone right so um lisa says that she really was going to give her the money but the one of her six lawyers i guess told her it wasn't a good look they don't want to be like roped into anything um Heather mumbles under her breath like, oh, I couldn't do that to my family. What does that mean? What does that mean? (sighs) I think that was really it. Oh, everybody was like, why the fuck would Angie Harrington give her money? They've been friends for like 
are they friends? And so Heather was just like, I don't know. They asked. They were, the Shahs knew that they had it. They gave it freely. I don't know. Like, she just didn't want to be involved in this. Somebody tried to throw out, oh, is that why they got over the Shah Exposed uh, Instagram account so quickly? The Shahs, is that why? And she was like, I don't know. I don't want to be in it. Like, I, <laughs> this is too far, too far for me. Um, but that's it, y'all. Oh, God, I, I mean, I cannot believe they're already going to start filming 10 days, not even less than 10 days from now. Those girls are not getting a break. Are we flying out to New York to, uh, you know, see our girl? Or where is, no, Texas. Are we flying to Texas to see our girl off to prison? Like, what's going on? Ooh, all right. Bye. Let's move on to uh, Real Housewives. He doesn't plaster billboards across and fix leaky pipes. Okay, too bad. He's a true attorney. Good. Are you sitting here saying you're going to send them flowers? I understand the whole thing. You want me to send them chocolates? You should stay out of it because the conversation is not for you. That's why you're both the same. I'm sorry. That's why I'm correcting you and saying that's offensive. You're going to send a grown-ass man flowers and chocolates? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Oh, Lord. Before we get into the latest episode of Miami, we got to slither on over into land. Lenny's corner to uh, see what he felt the need to say to uh, page six this week in order to make himself look at her or, you know, whatever the hell he's doing. So in new court documents filed for their divorce, Lenny's claiming that at first Lisa was being really gracious to allow him to come back to the home to visit the kids. But now she's basically pitting them a bit against him saying disparaging things about him and the girlfriend to exact revenge. Now let the record reflect that these children are three, like two and two or three and like eight maybe or six. These are young children, but he says he provided an example in court documents saying that Lisa told the kids, your dad wants to take you to be with the woman he's leaving us for. Um, while they were talking about Lenny going to take the kids to, uh, aspen for a ski trip lenny says that the kids are confused and have anxiety as a result so lisa issued a statement saying my estranged husband continues to share his false perception of reality to the courts i have now and will always encourage my children to have the best relationship with their father having two loving parents will always in all caps be my priority priority for my children um so Lenny's also claiming that Lisa refuses to have the kids sleep at his apartment because she doesn't want him around the girlfriend. So uh, Lisa continues to say, that being said, what kind of mother would, that, would I be if I didn't try to stop my husband's girlfriend, the self-proclaimed homewrecking whore, from going anywhere near my children? <laughs> okay. Okay. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, okay. I don't know. Girl, what are we doing here? I think all of us maybe need to take a time out and a little breath and a break before we uh, continue. This is not going to be good, Lisa. Lisa, I'm going to give you some advice. You've been saying this is not good for our kids. I don't like how this is playing out in the news. They're going to see this one day. Let's remember that. Let's keep it cute. Let's stay on track of being the doting and loving mother until we can get some paper signed and get some money in those bank accounts. Thank you. Let's talk about this new episode of Miami. Oh, God. We start our flight for about five seconds, just happily ordering chicharron and other Cuban delights. And Alexia decides to pull the professionalism card out on Dr. Nicole. Everybody's confused. I'm confused. Nicole's confused. We don't find out what happens until later. So let's do a little reverse as to what happened leading up to this, right? So we get to a few days later. Marisol and Alexia are walking into an office and Marisol just screams, Fat doctor! fat doctor marisol says in a confessional that fat doctor i don't think we ever actually got his name she just calls him fat doctor that fat doctor gives people things so that they can lose weight she doesn't know what they are because he won't give them to her so the producer is like what do you mean girl are we talking procedure procedures pills shots potions what's going on she's like honestly i don't know he does it to everybody but me we just hang out and have fun girl what is going on is Marisol just like drunkenly walking down the Miami strip and just like walking into offices and be like, Hey, you guys got khakis? Oh, you give shots? Can I do them? Are we, we're having fun here. <laughs> what a strange life. What a strange life. So as we're waiting in the, uh, the waiting room, <sighs> Alexia starts talking about manners. And how our friend Nicole did not have manners when she came over to my house. Marisol keeps repeating that Nicole tossed that Amex, that black Amex, down with fervor onto that lawyer's lap. Fervor. Oh, no. (laughs) Alexia's in a confessional saying, who pays an attorney with an Amex? That's something you do at a strip club. Like, where do you drop cards like that? At a strip club. (laughs) Alexia's mind is just always moving further and further down the words roads of misogyny and anti-feminism i truly don't know (laughs) somebody another woman who seems to actively hate women as much as alexia does 
And it's just pure hater, hateration in this dancery with her. Because, you know, she would love to have a black card. And if she had a black card, she would be so happy about it, but she doesn't. And so what does she have to say about the people who does? Oh, we have to, like, find some way to slut shame them. You know? Trying to make it seem like a creep. Trying to make it seem like he uses it on women who don't deserve it. Because you know that what her line of thinking is, at least. The way she talked to... Uh, to uh julia you think she has any respect for the the stripping arts no absolutely not so unbeknownst to alexia or unbeknownst to nicole rather alexia is very upset about her in the name of professionalism she took that and ran with it like i said last week she takes something a little bit like oh nicole saying i'm a professional this is unprofessional for you to be saying that i'm laying it low and busting it wide for every doctor in my hospital oh Alexia heard professionalism. Let's talk about professionalism. I want to talk about how you as a professional, I invited a professional businessman into my home, a lawyer, lawyer, and you were being unprofessional to him. So let's talk about that. And I personally am offended. I brought you into my home and you asked a question. And as soon as Alexia, like, really cements a headache in my brain, she just brings me right back up, so to speak, when she and Marisol's little comedy duo, Vicky and Tamara better watch their backs. The the, the new freaking fracker in town. So they go back into the the uh, operating room or whatever, the procedure room, <laughs> and, uh, even though Marisol has been saying that this man does not do anything to her, that he refuses, that she's just chilling in the cut, having watermelon and vodka, um, having a good time while everybody else is getting shot up. She's very quickly uh, forgets that she said that and was like, oh, yeah, I get, come here all the time. I self-administer. <laughs> I'm having a great time. Let me do you. Why don't you drop those uh, Dolce & Gabbana leggings, Miss Alexia, and I'll just pop you right here so she gets she's ready she's like practically like a nurse practitioner taking the thing the guy's like yeah i'll watch you and the things that rich people get to do it's amazing <laughs> just just play doctor for a moment she, inject your friend with this uh he said it was not ozempic he said that this was some sort of in-house concoction but the theme song played in my head you guys know like oh 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 ozempic <laughs> For those of you who are some real uh, Bodega Boys, Jesus and Marrow fans, you'll remember that they used to sing that theme song all the time before Ozempic became all the rage. R.I.P. to that podcast. I don't know if you guys know, but uh, Kyle Richards recently uh, debuted some weight loss in which people have been accusing her of using Ozempic. So truly, maybe once a week for the past seemingly month, Kyle has come out saying, I don't use Ozempic, guys. It's just hard work and dedication. But then here we have juxtaposed Marisol just shooting her friend up right in the ass cheek with no problem. Loving their life. Alexia is like, um, hold on, I need to know what exactly you guys are about to be injecting me with. But Marisol's like, turn around, girl, who cares? <laughs> Get the poke. Get the poke. So, I mean, truly like a comedy of errors. Alexia's got one hand lifting up her shirt, the other arm is pulling her pants down. So we got a quarter of a cheek, uh, a bit of a thong shot. She is scared. 
for Marisol to shoot her up. So she's like trying to move and groove and like wiggle her way out of this. And finally she gives her the cheek and says, just let her rip girl. And Marisol just gives her that sweet, sweet juice, sweet juice. You have to go there every, you have to go to that office every week, every week to get that shot. Girl, to what end? But God, Alexia cracks me up. She finally gets that shot. She's like, that is that it? Bro, you're so good, bro. <laughs> Why are we calling Marisol bro? <laughs> that didn't even hurt, bro. You're so fucking good. You should be a doctor. <laughs> I love her. No, I don't. Moving on. Um, Nicole calls Julia to say, we need to do a redo trip from the Florida Keys trip. It was a flop. Also, we all know that every housewife season has a domestic trip and an international trip. So let's go to the Bahamas, ladies. Let's have fun. In the name of maybe Lisa having a good time for once this season. Next, we have Julia and Adriana. They meet up for drinks. Adriana. What the fuck was she wearing? <laughs> She was dressed like, like Tila Tequila in 2008. She's wearing like a very slinky, now this is the daytime, slinky black dress, like a little LBD um, with a blazer that didn't make sense. And then like a trucker hat, just like real trash in vaudeville. I don't know what was going on. It was giving. And over, the oversized sunglasses. Like, couldn't you imagine seeing paparazzi shots of uh, Tila Tequila with no shoes coming out of, like, I don't know, like, who was famous back in 2008? And, like, Brian Austin Green. <laughs> he seems like he would have dated Tila Tequila. Like, coming out of his house, she called the paparazzi. They're in the street. She's posing. Somewhere in the Hollywood Hills. Like, that's what she was dressed like. But anyway, um, Adriana's upset. She's upset because she feels, like, very betrayed by Marisol and Alexia. Like, what happened to our friendship? You guys were in my wedding. We've had highs. We've had lows. You lost your parents. We've been through all this stuff together. I'm not understanding why they're acting like this towards me. Like, why are they trying to discredit me? over my relationship just doesn't make sense and then she says i don't even know if i want to go on the trip because there's been so much emotional upheaval i just don't think i can do it again so julia's like girl i got you let's just take a trip to the botanical garden we'll get some trinkets pills and potions and some crystals and we'll be fine every time julia is in a scene i feel like that bandage on her hand just gets bigger and more ornate and more serious and i feel like she's not talking about it (laughs) I'm concerned. So Julia shares about her adoption journey that she's begun and she's frustrated because the agency that she checked out, it's like a three month wait list to get on the wait list. And, you know, they're older, they're a same sex couple. She's concerned about there being issues, but it seemed like the only issue was that uh, the age, like, I think she said something about like, you have to be 50 years old or younger to be able to adopt a newborn but she didn't want one anyway so hopefully that's not an issue um also there is another issue which is that her daughters are not loving the idea of having another kid so she says it's not an issue of me knowing what i want it's an issue of me uh second guessing whether or not it's going to happen so julia tells adriana you know we actually found a smaller 
uh, more private adoption agencies. So we're going to look into that. Then we see Larsa go over to Lisa's house just to check in on her. And she walks through the door. She's like, Lisa, you look too skinny. Like you have to eat. You have to eat something. (laughs) But Lisa says, listen, it's just gotten worse. My emotions have gotten worse. And then she said that, like I told you guys last week, Lenny was trying to kick her out within 30 days of their breakup, trying to move her into a uh, rental house before they could find a more permanent place for the kids and Lisa. And so she's fighting that, but she's like, you know, fuck this. I'm not doing that. But I want to bring up something that I noticed. Um, A trend with housewives, a post-divorce housewife, or like we're going through a divorce, they really lean into the butterfly jewelry. There's something very freeing about that for them. I noticed that with Ramona and Teresa after she left Joe, and now it's happening with Lisa. And I love that. Somebody want to create an Instagram account, uh, housewives who wear butterfly necklaces after they get divorced. (laughs) You have it. Free, Free idea. I probably shouldn't give them a freaking good idea like I have with other people they end up and watch what happens live three weeks later (laughs) just kidding anyway of course Larsa uses this as an opportunity are we talking about divorce oh do we want to talk about Scotty and and how I had to deal with the whole world the whole world looking at me and Scotty and I couldn't escape it so she starts talking in a confessional about how um one of the misconceptions throughout her breakup with Scotty was that People thought when she was dating Future that this was like a cheating thing when actually she and Scotty were on a break and how hard that was for her family. No, girl. Probably the fact that you had uh, a couple of black teenage boys having to live in this world while you're out here fucking Future. (laughs) What's not clicking, girl? And you were fucking future right after that contentious breakup that he had with Sierra, where he's like fighting for his life on Twitter to like, you know, call Russell Wilson a cornball. And, you know, like there was a lot happening. So, yeah, I'm very sure it was difficult for Scotty's junior and senior and Preston and the other one. But, you know. I don't really think it had, again, the way she like over-exaggerated. And maybe I'm just not aware (laughs) of the impact that Larsa has out in this world. And I also understand like she, if anybody lives in a vacuum on this cast or in this world, it's Larsa Pippen, where I think it's just like an echo chamber of (laughs) just an echo chamber. Okay. And I mean that literally and, and, cranially um so uh, i just it's also like very funny to watch her like act like she's fucking princess diana breaking up with charles like people are really coming for her and her divorce i just don't think people care that much like do you like was this a conversation or in your group chat about scotty and larsa getting a divorce let me know i feel like larsa thinks that we don't know that the decisions that she made is what led to all the deten- the attention on her and the whole situation. Like, your decision to be out here uh, forming yourself into an amalgamation of Kardashians and also try to be their best friend and then also be kicked out of the friendship by all of them is probably <laughs> more attention-grabbing than any part of your relationship. Like, they truly could have broken up very quietly. Anyway, just as I was vicious to Larsa. Larsa was actually pretty nice to Lisa and was like, you know, you really can't let Lenny make you sick. 
And you really need to start putting yourself and your kids first and start taking care of yourself. And Lisa says something about like, you know, I'm just so in this about my family breaking up. She's like, yeah, you need to stop focusing about getting your family together and start focusing about getting yourself and your kids together. You know, one thing about Larsa, she's going to tell you to be selfish. And, you know, most of the time, but some of the time it's good advice. And then Larsa says, you know, I chose happiness. I could have pretended to be happy in my marriage with Scotty for the rest of my life, but I decided to choose me. And I didn't know where I was going to go and what was going to happen to me. But I chose happiness and, you know, that was so brave. Okay. (laughs) You were with him for like 20... Never mind. <laughs> you were going to be fine, but it's okay. Anyway, Marisol, Nicole, Alexia, and Gertie meet up for to, for Cuban at a place called Ball and Chain, aptly titled, I would say. Um, Alexia, still very upset that Nicole has not apologized to her, hasn't called, doesn't understand how Nicole could just show up here without apologizing. I mean, the irony? Rain? On your wedding day, free ride when you already paid. Good advice that you just couldn't take. Like, she, Alexia, is the funniest woman on the planet. She is so funny. She is so serious. We have spent the entire season with Alexia screaming at people that she will not apologize for things that she was dead ass 100% wrong about. (laughs) And yet now she's like... I don't understand why, how Nicole could even show her face to me without apologizing first. (laughs) Laughable. Once everybody sits down, we have a gringo off of which husband out of the husbands is the most gringo. Nicole says she feels like it's probably Russell, Gertie's husband, or uh, the other one. Uh, Steve, is that his name? Marisol's fake husband? Um, because her husband, Anthony, is at least half Cuban. Then Marisol says in a confessional that a gringo is a super American guy. And then she says, I think during the Korean War, when the Americans arrived, they wore green outfits. And then the screen just pops up and says, false. <laughs> Marisol, why would this be a Korean thing? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, ma'am. How did that happen? Then Alexia says in a confessional that it came from the Mexican war where they would see, they would just say green go to the Americans and the screen just says truer. So I had to look up, of course, what the actual uh, term was. um, So, or what the history is it. So apparently it was from the Mexican war. The generally accepted opinion is that they, uh, Mexicans would see they the Americans who were wearing green jackets and they would say, green, go home. And then it just got shortened from there. So everything starts off pretty cute. We're talking about Nicole and Anthony's son speaking better Spanish than they can. And I just like, I love this. I love seeing and being exposed to other cultures where they're talking about like, Oh, you know, like we speak Miami Spanish and he speaks like actual proper Spanish. So they were walking and Grayson saw a dump truck and he said the actual word for dump truck. And she like didn't even know what that meant. And so they're talking about like, oh, how would we say it 
how would we say what that is? Um, and then, you know, they're ordering the food and they're talking about like what Cuban food is like. And it's like just rich and buttery and fried and delicious. And, oh, I love Cuban food. I got to go to Miami really quickly. But um, Marisol, of course, is like, I'm going to take my calories in liquid because she refuses to eat uh, even a pad of butter. God help. God help her. Um, so it's further cemented to me that Gertie and Russell have the type of relationship that I would put on my Pinterest board. Uh, if you don't remember, the first thing is that Russell barely speaks. And that I love that for me. Um, second thing is that he seems to be a doting father. Um, he seems to be like pretty chill. And he's like, mm, he's kind of a cutie. You know, Russell's not bad to look at. But mostly that he doesn't talk. But anyway, further cemented by the fact that, you know, we know that Russell's a firefighter. So Nicole asks him, have you ever been in one of those calendars? He's like, absolutely not girls women women want to flirt with me so i would never do something like that and just gertie having to be like i want him to do this but i think he just wants me like i would love to show him off because he's hot but he doesn't want to do that he only wants me and he's only interested in me and he's afraid of other women i love that so then they started to talk about frankie and his program and um how well he's doing and marisol's like oh yeah you know we saw him at the house and of course, Alexia uses this as an opportunity to talk about, you know, I invited you into my home. Uh, my friends decided to do turn this into something else. And of course, when they show the clip of Frankie coming out and looking at what the hell's going on, who's yelling? His mama. His mama's the one who's screaming at Nicole. <laughs> so whose fault is that really? Alexia has about 37 reasons to be mad at Nicole, none of which makes sense, including um, being upset because Nicole asked about defamation of character when she could have asked her husband, Anthony, or looked it up on Google, or also everybody knows what defamation of character is, so why did you waste the time? And then Anthony sticks up for Nicole and goes, well, maybe Nicole is asking for the people who don't know what that means. <laughs> Anthony is writing a fine line with me, okay? Just a real fine line. Because you can't get too involved. You can't get too involved. You gotta, like, you know, think about it like a... What's um, what's the special jumping jacks? Not jumping jacks. Jump rope. What do they call it? I obviously don't know how to do it. I'm doing the motion, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> Hold on. Double Dutch. I just remembered. Okay. So think about it like a man, a house husband has to be involved like double Dutch. Like really you just kind of have to like, just be ready. Like, you know how you prepare to get in there? You're like, okay, I gotta wait for the beat. And then like, you got to get in real quick and then do your thing and then come out. Or you just like keep getting ready and waiting for your wife in case she needs you, but then don't actually get into it. But you can't get too much. I was rocking with Anthony on this, but like, we can't do too much beyond this, Anthony, because you're really riding a thin line. Todd? Ew. Big ew. Oh my God. So Alexia is like, okay, let me tell you what I'm upset with. You walked over to your purse to get your Black American Express card, and that was not professional. And Nicole, you're a professional. The Marisol chimes in about how disrespectful it was to throw the card in the gentleman's lap. And then Alexia, oh my God, she starts talking about how, like, Nicole hasn't taken accountability for anything since she's known her. Ha <laughs> ha! 
Bitch, you too. What are we talking? Like, I could not. She should be grateful that Nicole wasn't like, uh, I'm going to send another mirror down to your house. You can take a look at yourself and what you're saying to me and how crazy that is. And then Alexia was like, you disrespected my house and my friend. And he is very offended. So Anthony just makes a joke like, well, Alexia, I'll send him some flowers and candies. Does he like chocolates? (laughs) So then here Todd starts getting upset. That is very unprofessional to send flowers and chocolates because that's my friend of 30 years and he was offended. So Anthony goes, okay, well, I'm also a professional. And Todd goes, yeah, you are a professional too. But you know, my friend doesn't go around putting billboards out on with his face on it and fixing leaky pipes. Like he's a true attorney. So he goes, then Alexia points at Nicole and Anthony and goes, guess what? You two are both the same. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Oh my God, Todd's been ranting this whole time so I can finally hear what he's saying. And he starts talking about how, um, wh- why, why would you offer to send another man flowers and chocolates? Why would you do that? What's wrong with you? You're going to send flowers and chocolates to a grown ass man. That's so condescending and offensive. <laughs> Anthony's like very chill. Like we're operating on a one and a half out of 10 here. He's like clearly being sarcastic and having fun with this. Of course, Alexia, Marisol, Todd, nobody else is picking up on this, but I'm having a great time. Like just fully dead panning. Like, okay, well, what does he want? I get flowers all the time. Does he not want like chocolate? What else does he want? <laughs> Gertie says in a confessional, Russell would never get into a conversation like this between two women. So I I don't know. This is kind of getting out of hand. And Anthony tries to calm things down and be like, listen, I feel like we're all just assuming that this attorney is really offended. So Todd goes, no, I called him and he said that he was offended. And, you know, I also told him about the law firm that you work at. And he told me that you only have three people in that office. So Anthony goes, I have 187 employees. What are you talking about? So then Todd says, yeah, but you only have three lawyers. He works for a big law firm. It's offensive. Ew. Todd, shut up. Like, please. My daddy works for a bigger law firm than your daddy does. Ew, what are we doing? This is so like, ew, like, one percenter yucky pissing contest machismo embarrassing like it's not even this is giving me the ick and i need from todd like exclusively like i'm not even with anthony they're being petty but like these being anthony uh todd and alexia are being ridiculous so why even why even why even try to get on whatever level they're on Because the pettiness is higher than what they're doing. (laughs) So Anthony corrects Todd and says, I have 45 lawyers in my firm. So Todd goes, well, Anthony certainly doesn't need your Godiva chocolates. Okay. And Anthony goes, well, I wasn't going to send Godiva. (laughs) I would have sent him something else. (laughs) So then Todd rolls his eyes. God, this kid is so fucking rude. So Alexia says in a confessional, I feel like Anthony and Nicole are going to be married forever because they're equally disrespectful and rude. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, Alexia. <laughs> the, I mean, that woman, she, laughable. Laughable. What planet does she live on? I don't want to visit. Oh my god. So Alexia tells Nicole, you were trying to be a smartass and it didn't work. Like, <laughs> send two mirrors, one for Todd and one for Alexia. She goes, I thought you were going to call me and apologize to me this week. So Nicole says, how was I supposed to know that you were even bothered unless you told me? So Marisol goes, just say sorry. (laughs) Why don't you say that to your friend? Say that to your BFF. So Nicole says, the people in this group have the tendency to not see where I'm coming from when I do these things. So Alexia goes, well, anybody who comes into my house needs to respect me and my family. And that's it what family why now todd who was not even there is offended for what happened in his home like what are we roll that beautiful bean footage back girl and let's see who got to screaming okay all nicole did was take her drunk little kitten heels over to her purse and try to pay even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And I saw the grip that man had that on that black card. He was saying no. The mouth was saying no. The fingers were saying something else. And I saw it. That's really all we got from that lunch. There was really no resolve until later this episode. But we get back to Julia, who has the pretty encouraging Zoom meeting with uh, the new agency. They're... Uh, said that they were one of the first agencies in the state to be supportive of same-sex adoptions. And uh, really the only advice that they gave her was like, you know, Martina's, you're about to be 50. Martina's 15 years older than you. Uh, We would just probably want to know that you had a good community of people around you should something happen. Uh, We know we just want to make sure the child is going to be taken care of. Julia says in a confessional, that this is a really exciting moment for her because she's never really gone through a full process of raising a child with a partner. She had three kids that she raised as a single mom before she met Martina. And like, yeah, they raised each other. You know, the, I think the girls were like maybe 12 at the youngest. So, you know, just not really a full experience. So, you know, that is sweet to think about. Then we have Alexia and Frankie going to the Demoya Foundation to talk about Frankie making the steps to get a job, to work on his independence. So they ask him, have you like taken a Lyft or an Uber by yourself? Do you know how to do that? And Frankie says, no, he's never done it. And he's really scared. 
So Alexia says that she's never since his accident let him drive with anybody except for her because she's terrified. And, you know, this was hard. And I want to be like fair because fingers crossed, I will never know the situation that Alexia's had to be in with her child. Um, but it's clear and it's a little bit frustrating to me to watch that. Like, I feel like Frankie could be so much further than he is if he had been getting care like that consistently. Um, I think Todd made it very clear what last season that uh, he thought that Alexia was doing nothing to help Frankie for his future. But I also, when somebody says like Alexia says in a confessional, I know that I fucked up. I know that I have like hurt him by not wanting to let him go and holding such a tight grip. It's just, it's complicated, you know, it's complicated. So I feel a lot of empathy for her in that regard. And I just hope that this foundation is really good. And I hope that he does find that, uh, you know, independence because, and I thought it was like good of, I don't remember her name, but the, the founder of the Des Moines foundation for her to not baby him. Frankie and be like straight up no this is something that you really need to lovingly like she wasn't being rude but being like hey you need to learn these things because we're not going to be around forever and like this is only going to help you and I think like he needs somebody I think it's going to be really difficult I feel like Alexia is not somebody who believes in therapy but I hope she does and I hope she's getting it because it's only going to be helpful to her in the future and to Frankie Moving on, Gertie has a couple of minutes with Russell, her son Liam, and uh, a turtle named Ollie before getting on a FaceTime with Nicole. So Nicole, basically the crux of the scene is to tell, set up that Nicole uh, is going to be meeting up with Alexia to hash things out. And Nicole tells Gertie, if we can't figure things out, I'm done. So after that, Lisa, Larsa, and Kiki have... Um, happy hour i don't think you can call it girls night because it seemed like it was maybe 4 45 or something i've never been in a nightclub that early but they were having a great time they must know the person i and i even looked who owns this club because we're seeing the the sweeping shots of the club we're getting the shots of the vodka bottles that have the name of the club on it there's a lot there's a lot of spawn con happening here um and also i don't know if i would have advertised uh you know, when literally nobody was there, <laughs> those purple and blue lights are only going to do so much to hide the fact that, uh, there are more bouncers and security than actual patrons. But anyway, I'll tell you one thing though, the chicken looked better than the steak that they had over at Potomac, that strip club. Just saying, what was that? That sauce? I never had steak with a sauce on it. That feels sacrilegious. It feels like wrong. Larsa has decided to move on from telling Lisa that her husband's renting out their home to sell, to be able to afford their mortgage, um, to be a friend. <laughs> like, I, you know, I know we've gone through some rough times and it's like, yeah, just you being mean to Lisa, but thank you for rising above that to actually be a friend to her. Larsa tells Lisa she's trying to hook up her up with somebody and like, maybe you can meet somebody. <laughs> Lisa even, uh, 
points her arm and is like, I'm not going to be meeting anybody here, am I? And the camera pans over and the crickets start to chirping. Nobody there. Girl, cricket sticks. So then Larissa asks Lisa if she would hook up with Lenny if he offered. And Lisa just kind of sits there and doesn't say anything. And Larissa goes, I know you would because you're horny. (laughs) The Kiki says in a confessional, Lisa needs some dick tonight. We're going to get some dicky. And after that, all she's been going through, she needs it more than I do. And trust me, I really need some. (laughs) I love her. Give Kiki a mojito. What are we doing here? She's incredible. (sighs) Anyway, Lisa then says that she's really not attracted to women. I don't even know how this came up, but Kiki is like, well, how do you know? And Larsa looks at her and goes, ma'am, you're 37. Yeah, I, you think you would have thought about it at least at this point? Lisa says in a confessional that she feels like people have uh, misconstrued the parties that Le- she and Lenny would have with the girls and the booties and the girls and the more girls and the women and the girls and the young girls and the other girls and the naked girls and the half naked girls and the other girls and and the fully naked ones um that maybe people would think that they were swingers or something but she says that um lenny frankly isn't adventurous enough to ask her to do any of those things so it's just been the two of them (laughs) it's interestingly worded so then lisa says she feels like she's been working her ass off of the trailer trade trainer recently but then says that she just got dropped. The personal trainer dropped her because Lenny hired him to start training the mistress. The Larsa says in a confessional, that's like insane. Like, what does he want her? Like, she's going to take her man and make her fat? Like, at some point we have to draw the line, Lenny. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> Larsa asks the million dollar question, which is, Lisa, did you genuinely think you were going to be with Lenny forever? <laughs> and Lisa says, yes. And then this turns into um, a 10 minute, 12 minute, 19 minute diatribe about how she loves Lenny, but hates him at the same time. How people would tell her that Lenny was always nasty to her, but she couldn't see it. And then we get to the 31 minute mark and Gigi goes, Kiki, Kiki goes, why am I turned up? And you guys are still talking about Lenny. Get out of here. You guys are party poopers. I can't with y'all. I'm going to the dance floor. And then she um, falls over immediately because she's tipsy. And, but then she finds her way to a pole. God bless her. God bless her for twerking and almost uh, having her areola fall out because we had to turn the subject around. Uh, And those 13 other people in the club had their cameras right up watching her. (laughs) God bless them. So then finally, Nicole and Alexia meet up and Nicole says, honestly, she, Alexia, like, I had no intention of hurting anybody's feelings. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. So Nicole says, she starts off by saying, I felt horrible when I left that dinner. Like, I felt really bad. Alexia is still insistent that Nicole knew for a fact that Alexia was upset. And she's like, you know, I really, I don't believe, I don't believe that you felt bad when you left. But I want to believe that, Nicole. Alexia really tries to break Nicole down by saying, you kept saying, I'm sorry that you felt like that, which is not a proper apology. But what Nicole is trying to say is that I'm sorry, but I didn't even know that you were upset because had I known that you were upset, I would have apologized to you earlier. So while, yeah, Alexia is technically, yeah, I'm sorry, but is not an apology or I'm sorry that you feel that way is not an apology. But like she literally didn't know. And so now she's just working with the information that she's got. 
<laughs> the way she wants Nicole to take accountability on every level when Alexia takes accountability for nothing on any level. LOL, girl. LOL. So Alexia goes, okay, how could you just not see that that's just part of who you are? <laughs> Nicole says, I was just coming from a really hurt and defensive place. Like you guys were just lying on my pussy and my professionalism. Everybody has boundaries, but you know, I have a situation where I have to be very professional and you guys coming for my career is a no for me. It's a no go zone. And Nicole starts talking about the hardships of being a Latina who's pretty in a highly professional workplace, how many hardships you have to go through. And Alexi's like, yeah, I just feel like you're trying to make excuses again. And this is like not how you apologize. And, you know, at this point, you're kind of acting like a narcissist. <laughs> so Nicole says that a confessional. Now, somebody who says that I was a star, some people might find that narcissistic. But I'm not calling you one. So why are you calling me one? <laughs> so Nicole says to Alexia, I did not come into that situation wanting to have an altercation with you. But if Todd feels disrespected and you're upset and Frankie's upset, I'm sorry. If your attorney's upset, my bad. If the Amex is upset. I apologize to them, too. Then she like swings her, you know, white napkin in the air like a mea culpa and says, Alexia, I'm truly sorry. She did not need to do this, like at all. This is wild, wild. So Alexia goes, you know, I feel like I can move on because I've always had love for you in my heart. And I feel like, Nicole, you feel the same way about me. <laughs> okay. So then they start talking about how they're about to go to uh, the Bahamas in a couple days do you, do you think it's possible that we could have fun at all? Do you think? So Nicole says that she just talked to Lisa. Lisa's kind of on the fence as to whether or not she wants to go to the Bahamas because uh, she doesn't want to leave the country and find that she does not have a home. So <laughs> might want to just uh, stake her claim there. Um, so then they talk about, you know, the hardships of heartbreak and what you go through. And then Alexia says something quite telling, which is uh, first she says she's had two times with heartbreak. And then she says really just been when Frankie was dealing with his issues, like when he first got into his car accident, because there was like a year where they were very touch and go. Um, and she's like, you know, breakups are hard. I can get over it. It's not like, thank you next, but like I can deal with that. But, like, Frankie was really my only heartbreak. And I think that says a lot about Alexia, but we'll move on. Um, Alexia and Nicole toast to maintaining their friendship and also, like, teaming up to make sure that they actually have fun on this trip. So, of course, we get the screen pops up that says, three days later, um, we're hearing allegations of witchcraft. Cultural appropriation vacation braids are coming from Larsa. Alexia is calling somebody a fake bitch off camera. And Adriana's being shuttled away in a wheelchair. So I, with bated breath, I wait for next week. Cannot wait, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. If you're able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would appreciate that. Starting my, or not starting, continuing my, with part two of my Tina Turner documentary recap. We're doing Black History Month. Uh, 
vibes all over at the Patreon. You can check out links to my socials and stuff uh, in the episode description. It's all right there in the link tree. So love you.